0: everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman, writer for Cheesehead TV. Uh, you can find me at Sports on Twitter. And I'm going to be walking through this episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast with you today. Uh, really excited to be able to talk about some of training camp and some of the notes and noteworthy items from uh, camp today. Had a great opportunity to go to practice myself, kind of see what was going on. And, and I'm really just going to kind of jump in. So first and foremost, I thought the biggest news of the day was really the returns from injury. And I should note here, Ross Uglum called me out a a couple weeks ago. Uh, He had been at camp for four or five days, and he didn't have any injuries while he was at camp. And then, of course, I showed up the very next day And Kentrell Bryce gets carted off. Jake Ryan gets carted off. Mike Daniels uh, leaves with an injury issue. So a lot of issues on the injury front when I was at camp. And if you've been listening to Zach and Matub, they're very big on curses. and, And Ross thought that maybe I was cursing the team with my presence. Well, today I totally redeemed myself. And not only did a ton of players come back from injury, but none were seemingly lost to injury today. Aaron Jones, Jimmy Graham, David Bakhtiari, Mike Daniels, Muhammad Wilkerson, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, all back from injury today. So that was really, really exciting. I thought the big news here was David Bakhtiari. When he went down at family night, got carted off, it really looked like he was potentially going to be out for a a potentially significant period of time. And, And there was some hope. Of course, he walked off on his own power, and it looked like maybe it was just an ankle injury and not an ACL but we all remember that Jordy Nelson also walked off on his own power in the preseason game, and of course his was a torn ACL, and he was lost for the season. So I think this is a very, very big news. I was watching him. He didn't practice with the team at all in any of the team drills, but was working with the offensive linemen in the individual drills, and he was moving really, really well. I thought he looked like David Bakhtiari. Didn't seem limited in any way, shape, or form. Uh, was moving down the line really, really well, again, in the positional drills, so very excited about that. But Mike Daniels looked exactly like himself. Wilkerson was practicing in team. He blew up a screenplay. Uh, Jair Alexander came back. Interestingly, he was working with the twos today. Uh, when he had left, he had been working a lot with the ones. Uh, the ones today were Devon House and Tremont Williams, uh, as well as Kevin King. King and House were on the outside with Tremont Williams in the slot, So Jair running with the twos, the twos were Quentin Rollins in the slot with Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson on the outside. So that was a little bit interesting. Have a feeling that was just hey, Rook, you've got to earn your way back. If you're going to miss time due to injury, you don't just get handed your number one spot. And then uh, Brian Bulaga got some team reps uh, with uh, the offensive line. He didn't play first team. Uh, You could see that they were really bringing him back slowly. But uh, to see him get some team reps at right tackle was very, very encouraging as well. So really that only leaves four players who are still injured on the roster. Uh, Those four players, uh, Nick Perry, who is still on the pup. He was doing some work off to the side today. Uh, Trevor Davis, Devontae Mays, and Jermaine Whitehead. And talk about three players who really need to get back on the field and show what they're capable of. Trevor Davis, Devontae Mays, Jermaine Whitehead, by no way, shape, or form of those three locks for the roster. Trevor Davis really seems to be on the outside looking in with the way the receivers have looked. Uh, Devontae Mays really needs to show something. Maybe he gets in a, as a default number three running back with Aaron Jones out those first two games via suspension, but uh, those three players in particular really need to find a way to work their way back to try to shore up a roster spot at this point. Um, couple noteworthy items from Mike McCarthy before practice today. A lot of these come from uh, Tom Silverstein with the Journal Sentinel, who does a fantastic job reporting on the Packers. Uh, Just, I thought a couple of these were kind of noteworthy, wanted to run through them a little bit. Uh, Mike McCarthy noted that he loves the sideline to sideline aggressiveness of rookie linebacker Oren Burks, however, says that Burks needs to get off of blocks quicker. And of course, anyone that's studied any tape of Oren Burks, this is of no surprise to whatsoever. Was certainly something that he needed to work on uh, this season. In the offseason, was something that he struggled with in college. He's more of a, a flow to the the ball type linebacker. Make your reads. Hopefully, no one from the offensive line is going to get on him quickly, and then he can flow to the football and go make a play. He did that again in practice today. Showed really well in preseason in that regards. But yeah, he, he's someone that needs to get off blocks quicker. Uh, he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination yet, but Oren Burks is trending in the right direction. Uh, he noted that the biggest issue this last week was mental errors, which of course, it's the first preseason game, and uh, you've got a lot of rookies who are playing in their first game. Uh, but I, I noticed a couple plays, again, in the defensive backfield. Uh, specifically, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, Devon House were involved in a couple of these And there were, again, some mental errors on the defensive backfield side of the ball. And the reason that this was very concerning to me was, one, this has been an issue for a very long time now. And two, I was hoping things were going to be fixed with new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin. And then I think three is that you're playing a very vanilla scheme last week in week one of the preseason. So to see some of these mental errors pop up and the fact that McCarthy noted it in his press conference today was a little bit uh, you know, disconcerting and, and hopefully something that can get cleaned up sooner rather than later. Uh, he mentioned fundamentally Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle have a lot of work to do. We're going to touch base on the quarterbacks just a little bit later, so kind of keep note of that. And then the last one here, Kevin King. Uh, great camp, and he's really shown to take that big step. And that's certainly something that's been noted throughout uh, training camp so far, that Kevin King has taken that step. He just came off the injury, again, was back at practice today. But uh, Kevin King, again, noted by Mike McCarthy that he took that big step. So nice confirmation from him, of course. Thankfully, he didn't give his dreaded MVP of training camp award to Kevin King because that's sort of been the kiss of death in in seasons past, but he did note that Kevin King's taken that big step. So if that's the case, and I was kind of thinking about this earlier, if Kevin King can even be a really good number two cornerback, that's a really great step in the right direction. Jair Alexander is going to be a good football player. Tremont Williams is going to hold his own on the other side of the field. And this cornerback position is really looking up, especially if Kevin King has taken that next step like McCarthy noted. Some camp notes from today. Uh, these are my observations from, from being at camp. The first big note of, of today was that Reggie Gilbert had leapfrogged Kyler Fackrell on the depth chart. Uh, first of all, it's it's about time, what kind of took so long. Uh, it's not super hard to see that Reggie Gilbert's been a better player than Kyler Fackrell for some time now, uh, but he, he certainly earned that spot. And the thing that I really love about Reggie Gilbert is that he wasn't going to be satisfied by any stretch of the imagination. Had a sack versus Jason Spriggs, just absolutely dominated a rep against Spriggs in team activities. Another nice rush against Kyle Murphy where he had another pressure. Really great to see that he was able to work on both sides of the field, both against the left tackle and right tackle, and generate pressure. And then he gets in on special teams, and what does he do? He fires through the line and probably would have had a punt block if, if he was able to do so. Uh, but punters are kind of like quarterbacks in this regard where he can't really touch them. So uh, he wasn't able to, to dive and, and make an attempt at the ball, but I'm fairly certain he probably would have blocked that punt. And uh, special teams coordinator Ron Zook had mentioned as well uh, over the loudspeaker. Nice job, number 93. So he's not going to be satisfied, but great to see Gilbert had uh, not only leapfrogged Fackrell, but had another great day at camp. Uh, Alex Light really struggled at left tackle, uh, allowed an immediate pressure to Clay Matthews, which isn't super surprising. Uh, I thought Alex Light's had a pretty decent camp so far. Looked pretty decent in the preseason game from what I was able to see of him, and I think he's got some development potential uh, either as a left tackle or left guard. I think he could follow a similar career path as Lane Taylor. And I think he's going to be a practice squad guy, uh, but struggled today at left tackle and and gave up a couple pressures after the Clay Matthews one as well. Uh, Jason Spriggs continued to really struggle, played again behind Byron Bell. It came out today that Spriggs was not aware of the reason that he was playing behind Byron Bell, said it was not disciplinary. So that's worth noting as well. It, It seems that this was strictly due to his play. I think I noted last time on my podcast that uh, he had the opportunity to get first team reps when I was at camp last time, and in the very first play of that practice, he jumped off sides, continues to have mental errors, had the the sack that he gave up against Reggie Gilbert way too easily again today. This isn't tough to see, there. Jason Spriggs was supposed to be the starting right tackle at this point. That's what they drafted him for. They were giving him a couple years to develop. And I fully believe that they were hoping that they were going to be able to get out of Brian Bulaga's contract at this point, start Jason Spriggs as their right tackle of the future at this point of his career, and uh, really kind of use some of that Brian Bulaga money to pay Aaron Rodgers and his contract going forward. I fully wholeheartedly believe that that was the plan. I think they even had a backup plan where if Jason Spriggs didn't work out, they had Kyle Murphy to be that right tackle. They kind of took another uh, lottery ticket in the fifth round, and, and the hope was One of these two are ready to go at right tackle so that they can kind of move on from Brian Bulaga or at minimum have some really incredible tackle depth in a league that generally doesn't have depth at offensive tackle. And these two players just not turning out has really kind of squelched the Packers' plans. And certainly Brian Bulaga is still on the team and not going anywhere at this point. But the the depth at offensive tackle continues to be a major concern and another poor day from Jason Spriggs today. Uh, Vince Beagle continues to kind of really have a A quiet training camp is maybe the polite way to put it. In fact, one of the very few plays that I noticed that Jason Spriggs uh, had a nice play on today was uh, a play where Vince Beagle was rushing, and uh, Spriggs basically threw him to the ground, pancaked Vince Beagle where he was trying to pass rush, and uh, Beagle continues to be quiet. I think this camp is not going as expected for him so far. I think a lot of fans were expecting him to break out uh, that he now that he was healthy, and that just hasn't been the case so far. Uh, he's certainly uh, behind both Tyler Fackrell and Reggie Gilbert um, at that outside linebacker position, and, and he's got some work to do. Uh, so kind of another rough day for him. Greer Martini continues to pop. We know that he has some instincts against the run. Well, today he showed up against the pass. And he's getting closer to locking up a roster spot, which is really crazy to say for an undrafted guy. Had a diving pass breakup uh, in team activities. Really nice play. And then uh, later diagnosed a screen pass. It was a fake reverse. And uh, he did not bite on it at all. Stayed with the running back. Uh, It was complete to the running back. And then he completely blew up the play. So great for Greer Martini. Great for the Packers linebacking core. Let me uh, know if you've heard this before, but Deshaun Kaiser was very up and down. Uh, he had a couple of the bigger throws in practice today, but also had a couple plays where he just really was not identifying his receivers well. Had a receiver wide open over the middle and just completely missed him, held onto the ball too long. Just no rhythm. Uh, there were multiple plays where he held onto the ball way too long. Uh, he, there was one play in particular where I think he probably would have taken about three sacks on three different occasions before he finally found his check down and then completely overthrew his checkdown. So, not great for Deshaun Kaiser, but those flash plays continue to happen. We'll touch base on that just a little bit later. Akeem Judd, another player who I thought kind of uh, was impressive in his limited snaps in preseason, and he uh, was impressive today. Again, he had a really nice run up the middle, probably the best run of the day. It, it's always tough to tell in some of these team activities because the, the linebackers, defensive linemen aren't really allowed to tackle him, so maybe he would have been down sooner, but showed really great vision. He, he showed that elusiveness and a little bit of wiggle that he showed in the preseason game, and then later had a really great blitz pickup. So uh, Akeem Judd, I think, trying to work his way onto the practice squad more than likely, but Really nice start to camp for a guy that was just signed really late in the process. Uh, Jair Alexander, Jamon Moore, both uh, muffed punts and punt returns, so that wasn't great. James Looney continued to show up. Uh, he had two plays where he penetrated in the backfield pretty quickly in team drills. I like his odds of making the roster at this point. I think that last defensive lineman spot is really between him and Joy Imbu. And uh, if it comes down to that, I, I can't imagine that they take uh, the the older non-drafted, run-stuffing defensive tackle rather than the much higher upside, uber-athletic seventh-round draft pick in James Looney. I think he's really working his way towards that last defensive lineman spot on the team. Uh, Devontae Adams, kind of the highlight of practice today. I'm I'm watching some of the, the special teams drills and on the other side of the field are the quarterbacks running their uh, their drills uh, while special teams drills are going on. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, they do this net drill. Uh, there's a couple of uh, pads down on the ground. The coaches are kind of guiding the quarterbacks through where they need their footwork to be. It's a focus on footwork and then they kind of call out a color. There's three holes in the net. I think it's yellow, red, and white, and they'll call out a color, and then they've got to try to throw the ball into that hole in the net based off of which color is called. Well, the, the quarterbacks were having a field day in this today. It was probably the best that I've seen in either mini camps, OTAs, or in training camps so far. Uh, I'm starting to hear some cheers um, on the other side of the field. And I think Aaron Rodgers had just put one in the back of the net. And I look over, and I happen to see that Devontae Adams is getting a rep in the quarterback drills. And he, he, he's going through the full drill. He's doing the footwork. He nails the footwork. His delivery wasn't great. He's got some work to do on on how he carries the football, for sure, and how he gets rid of it. But he drilled it right in the back of the net, uh, looked to the crowd, did the discount double-check, and, of course, uh, a huge ovation from the fans. So that was one of the highlights of practice, for sure. And then to highlight a few of the plays of the day, uh, midway through practice, really this was kind of a quiet practice overall. No real interceptions. Uh, There were a couple sacks. Clay Matthews, Reggie Gilbert, as noted earlier, uh, that would have been sacks had it been live, but no real big plays. About midway through practice was really the first big play of the day. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser hit Kyle Lewis deep uh, for a touchdown. Beautifully thrown ball. Lewis separated. Uh, looked like it was uh, maybe a blown coverage, but but tough to tell it may have been a linebacker that was uh, getting deep over the middle and, and Lewis kind of just blew by him. So Kyle Lewis probably at best working towards a practice squad spot. Even that's probably a reach, but this was a really nice play. He actually had a nice day. Had another contested catch as well. So that was nice to see. Uh, Tim Boyle to Jake Kumaro, of course. What else? Second to last play of the day. And Jake Kumaro separates deep against Dimitri Goodson. Tim Boyle throws an absolute dime to Jake Kumaro, And Goodson basically tackles him. Flag comes out. And you have to remember, these receivers, they're, they're kind of lucky if they get one or maybe two passes thrown to them in an entire practice. There's that many receivers, and there's only so many plays and team drills where you're going to get a ball thrown your way. I think this was the only time all day that Jake Kumaro got a ball thrown his way. And, and I'm sure he's kind of thinking, this is my one chance today. And it, the practice was winding down. Everyone knew it at this point. This is his one chance to make an impact today. And again, he's getting tackled by, by Dimitri Goodson. And he's got one hand available, and he's got to know, this is my play. i got to go out and make this play. And, of course, he comes down with the incredible one-handed catch uh, down the sideline. The pass interference was, was uh, called, but it didn't matter. Uh, Kumaro came down with it, and, and really the highlight play of the day. And another great throw by Tim Boyle. Those two continue to impress. And then uh, Deshaun Kaiser to uh, Devontae Adams to end team drills. Adams uh, absolutely crushed uh, Josh Hawkins off the line. And Kaiser threw a beautiful ball and uh, would have been an easy touchdown for Devontae Adams. So those two plays actually ended uh, the entire practice. Those were the last two plays of the day. So great way to end practice on a a hot day where there wasn't a ton of uh, plays to be made. But that, that was the perfect place to end it with those two. Taking a look at the quarterback depth chart really quick. Uh, Mike Clemens, who covers the Packers for SiriusXM NFL Radio, uh, noted today that he fully believes that Brett Hundley is going to be the backup going into the season, and that Deshaun Kaiser will get the third spot and really learn and develop to try to earn that backup spot for next year. And I noted on Twitter today, I, f- I fully agree with him at this point. As much as I've been on the the Tim Boyle hype train, and I've I've probably uh, done more than maybe anyone else to kind of hype up that uh, you know Tim Boyle at this point, and I'm a huge fan. I think that's still the very most likely scenario is that you know Rodgers is going to be the one, Hunley's going to be the two, and Kaiser, Kaiser will be the three, and Boyle's likely the odd man out. Uh, Brett Hunley's been the most consistent and best backup quarterback. His fundamentals look better, and I mentioned earlier this week, he's he seemed to have a little bit more zip on the ball. It's really tough to buy into Brett Hundley after last season. There's no question about it. I don't care how well he plays in practice or in preseason. He also, I thought, struggled in OTAs and in mini camp. and I thought he actually had a slow start to training camp as well. But last couple weeks, he's come on much stronger, and uh, he had a really nice game in, in preseason week one. And I don't think there's any question about it at this point where if you had to win a game tomorrow and Aaron Rodgers wasn't healthy, Brett Hundley has to be that guy. I think it's too much to ask to try to find a a player outside of the system at this point, to try to find a veteran at the end of training camp to come and be the backup. I don't see that being the case. And uh, again, Mike McCarthy, as mentioned earlier, noted that Kaiser and Boyle have a lot of work to do on their fundamentals. And I think this is Brett Hundley's job to lose as the number two quarterback. And I know a lot of people probably won't like that based on how Hundley played last year. And I'm kind of one of those people as well, but I don't think you have to exasperate the problem and and cut Hundley for the sake of cutting Hundley and make your backup quarterback position worse and go with someone who's not ready. And at this point, Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle aren't ready. So that makes Brett Hundley your backup. And then if you're really going with who you want to develop as your backup quarterback, as much as I actually think that, that Boyle has been the better of the two quarterbacks through camp thus far... Deshaun Kaiser's probably going to be the guy that gets that chance to develop into the backup and maybe, you know, maybe more than that going forward. So I think that's the most likely scenario. I've seen a lot of people compare the the, the Tim Boyle scenario to what happened uh, certainly last year with uh, BYU quarterback Taysom Hill. And I think there's some similarities there, but there's a lot of differences too. Taysom Hill was coming off of a big program. He was older in age and I think they really thought that they'd be able to release him and get him back on the practice squad. And Tim Boyle's is a lot different. I actually compare Tim Boyle to, to Kyle Slaughter, um, who, if you're not familiar with him, he's currently playing for the Vikings. He played for the Broncos last year. And Slaughter was an undrafted free agent, much like Tim Boyle. Uh, they both started at bigger programs. Uh, Boyle at UConn, Slaughter at Southern Miss. Uh, didn't have the greatest level of success. Uh, Boyle moved to Eastern Kentucky uh, and then... Slaughter went to a smaller school after that as well. Ended up being an undrafted free agent, signed with Denver. And last year in preseason, Slaughter was the top-rated rookie quarterback, 31 of 43, passing for three touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, highest passer rating of any rookie in the preseason last year. Was cut by Denver. And I think what Green Bay is expecting here as well is that he's going to go unclaimed, similar to what Kyle Slaughter was last year. Slaughter went unclaimed. Um, but he actually did not re-sign with Denver. He went to Minnesota, signed with their practice squad, was elevated to the roster a couple weeks later. I think that's really where the comparison is. You have to remember, if Green Bay cuts Tim Boyle and he gets claimed, another team's basically saying that they're going to go with 52 players on their roster this year because they're not expecting Tim Boyle to play this year. I have a hard time believing that any team that's competing for a playoff spot is just going to redshirt Tim Boyle and say, we're you know, he's going to be our guy. We're going to only go with 52 players. And I think if you kind of look at it from that regards, as well as all these other teams, even the ones that aren't competing maybe for a Super Bowl this year, a lot of them have young rookie quarterbacks that they've been developing in camp. And maybe they haven't looked quite as good as Tim Boyle, but they they have familiarity with that player and they've put now a full offseason into him. So they may not want to claim Tim Boyle either. So I think there's a great opportunity that he probably does not get claimed if he's cut. And, uh, you know, if he does clear waivers, then an interesting scenario pops up. And I think this is really where it gets tricky because let's say Green Bay does keep Hundley, Rodgers, and Kaiser. And even if he goes unclaimed, well, now if I'm Tim Boyle's agent, I don't owe anything to Green Bay to re sign with their practice squad. And now Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere for the foreseeable future. And you basically just chose Deshaun Kaiser. And. I think that he'd probably be better off. Let's, let's take Jacksonville, for example. Let's say Jacksonville keeps Blake Bortles on the last year of his deal and Cody Kessler as the backup. Well, if I'm Tim Boyle and Jacksonville offers me a contract for a practice squad, apples to apples, Green Bay offers a practice squad spot and Jacksonville offers a practice squad spot. I'm going to Jacksonville because Blake Bortles last year of his deal, Cody Kessler is the number two, and now I'm probably the third quarterback in camp. And you have to remember, Tim Boyle is not going to get any snaps in practice, even with the scout team. They're going to give the scout team reps to Hundley and Kaiser uh, in case, you know, Rodgers were to get hurt. Rodgers is going to take all the reps with the ones, and there's not going to be any snaps for the fourth quarterback in in the regular season. So uh, even if they cut you know Tim Boyle, and he doesn't get claimed. I think the odds that he comes back to the the practice squad in Green Bay are fairly slim. So I think that's something to to keep an eye on. And and unfortunately, it's it's a tough scenario. And unless they cut Hunley or Kaiser, and again Hunley's way ahead as the number two quarterback at this point, and it's tough to cut Deshaun to Kaiser and his upside. I think you know the the Tim Boyle Green Bay experiment. I'm not sure where it can head because they're not keeping four, and I'm not sure he'd come back as a practice squad guy. So. I think that's where it's headed at the moment. One thing I will note is a lot of people, you know, talk about Deshaun Kaiser and they say, "Well, there's no way Green Bay cutting Deshaun Kaiser because they traded their first-round pick, Demarius Randall, for Deshaun Kaiser. There's no way they're giving up on you know what they basically traded a first-round pick for." Well, it's not that simple. And it's not that easy. Um, normally, I promise you that there's not going to be math. This is going to take a little bit of math. Uh, I'm going to do all the hard work for you. I promise. If you need to go get your abacus, do it now. But if you kind of take a look, remember that the trade was Demaryius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser, as well as the ability for Green Bay to move up in the fourth round and in the fifth round. If you take the trade value chart, the value of the pick that it would have been to move up in the fourth round and in the fifth round was the equivalent of Green Bay getting a pick, the top pick in the fifth round of the draft alone. So to kind of put that easily, it was basically the equivalent of Demaryius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser and the first pick in the fifth round of the draft. Now, we know that that means that they valued Demarius Randle better than a fifth round pick. So he at least had fourth round value. I would strongly argue that Demarius Randle did not have second or third round value in the draft last year. If they were to trade him straight up to a team, there's no way that they get a second or third round pick for him. I would be shocked, which means he almost for sure had a fourth round value on him. If I were to guess, and if I had to put a value on it, my guess is that Demarius Randall had a mid-fourth round pick. That would have been the value. If they just would have traded him straight up, they could have got a middle fourth round pick for him. If that's the case, then the middle fourth round pick for the top of the fifth round pick equivalency... Plus Deshaun Kaiser, that means Deshaun Kaiser's value by the transitive property, if you will, is Deshaun Kaiser is worth a mid-fifth round pick. So sorry for the math, but if you add it all up to make things very simple, it would basically be the equivalent of that Deshaun Kaiser is worth a mid-fifth round pick. So I don't think that it's that out of the realm of possibility that they could move on if they liked Boyle better. And I think there's some possibility that if they called around the league, they're probably not getting anything for Tim Boyle. But maybe if they call around the league, maybe they could get a seventh or even a sixth round pick for Deshaun Kaiser. So again, the value on Kaiser's is a middle fifth. If they call around, maybe they'd say, you know what, I'd rather have Tim Boyle in a sixth or seventh round pick than Deshaun Kaiser, based on the way that they played this off season. I think it's unlikely, but the reason I wanted to bring that up is because. Uh, you know, people have this opinion that because they traded first-round pick Demarius Randall for Deshaun Kaiser, that means Kaiser has first-round value. It's not the case. Again, if you, if you kind of water everything down and take it at face value, it's much more likely that he has about mid-fifth round value uh, in that trade that they consummated with the Browns. couple last notes. Uh, Pro Football Focus came out with their grades from week one. Uh, the top five players for Green Bay were Devontae Adams, uh, Kendall Donerson, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Brett Hunley, and Ahmad Thomas. Uh, some interesting grades there. The Khalil Mack trade. I, I did not expect to be talking about this at all today. I thought this talk would be kind of dead by now. But Vegas uh, site Odds Shark, uh, which is verified on Twitter. I've never heard of Odds Shark before, but they're verified on Twitter. They got like 50,000 followers. They released odds on which team Khalil Mack will be playing for at the end of October. And this was shocking to me. So I would have assumed that the Raiders were like negative 100, the field was maybe plus 200, and then maybe a couple of top teams were plus 500, plus 600, something like that. According to Odds Shark, the Packers have the best odds, even over the Raiders and even over the rest of the teams combined, at plus 300. So uh, Odds Shark is saying that if they were betting today where Khalil Mack will be by the end of October, and end of October just means that before the trade deadline they believe he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. They have the best odds on him at plus 300. The Raiders came in at plus 400. And the field, any team besides the Packers or Raiders, was at plus 400. So absolutely crazy. And then uh, if, if you're worried you know that maybe Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, or maybe a top NFC contending team might be in on Mac. Uh, the only other NFC teams that really made the list were the Redskins at plus 700 and the Giants at plus 1,000. So According to Odds Shark, put in that uh, what you will, they believe that Khalil Mack has the best chance at the end of October of being a Packer over any other team, so take that for what it may be worth. And then lastly, the Madden Challenge. Zach Jacobson, for those who were listening to yesterday's podcast, uh, threw out a challenge to take me on in Madden 2019, which was just released. Uh, give us a couple weeks to get familiarized with the game a little bit. And we are absolutely, Zach, I accept your challenge. We are going to live stream this game on YouTube. We will absolutely have a bet of some sort. The loser is going to have to take the walk of shame on the podcast for sure. Uh, but challenge accepted. We will figure out the details and we will absolutely live stream this unquestionably. Uh, if you didn't have a chance, make sure to go back and listen to Zach and the podcast from yesterday. It was a lot of fun. I always enjoy listening to those two. Tomorrow, Jacob Morley and Ross Uglum will be on. Ross had uh, some really great cut-ups from preseason week one. Make sure to go on his timeline on Twitter. I think you'll really enjoy that. I I certainly got a lot out of what he posted, uh, but I'm sure he's going to break down a lot of that tomorrow. Make sure to follow on Twitter. Again, myself at Scotty Sports uh, and the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can subscribe and like uh, on iTunes and on Google Play and on Spotify. We're finally on Spotify. Anything you can do in that regards uh, really helps us out a lot. So thank you so much for those of you who have done that. And thanks as always for listening. We greatly appreciate it. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, go pack go. <laughs> Six seconds ago. Ball just outside the four. Roger Shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! A dagger to Andrew on Aaron pointing to the right now, gets the snap, looking, throws left side of the end zone, leaping right yeah. to the Adams, takes down Green Bay, a spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone. Rodgers from the 42, New York, fourth down and two. snapped to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. Now winds up, rainbows into the end zone, and it is right touch Touchdown, Green Bay!